0: Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read verses uh, 8, 9, and 10 this morning and go from there. Verse 8 says this, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice... Not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And in verse eight, Paul's Paul's referencing his first letter to the Corinthian church. And the church at that time had some really serious issues. I'm not going to go into all the details, but they had some very serious issues, things that were being done that were, I mean, I I think we can easily use the word ungodly. I mean, they were against God's word. And um, it had serious issues, and there were church members engaging in activities that, that were in direct violation of God's word. And more importantly, or most importantly, there was no action being taken by certain members of the church. I mean, Potentially, I would say probably the leadership of the church, maybe, um, to address the sin and the outright violation of God's word. So Paul wrote; he wrote a letter to the church, and that was that's First Corinthians. I mean, that's a part of that First Corinthians was part of that letter that he wrote to the church. So I would say probably that letter was a rather I kind of I wrote down demanding letter to the church, but basically something probably very critical I would say uh, of the church, and you know, calling out the specifics and what action needed to be taken to correct those things. And, you know, I'm sure the letter was critical of their behavior, but, you know, it needed to be. It needed to be. And I thought, you know, no matter what our age is, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, teaching the young ones, but you know what, we all need to be taught, and we all need to continue to be taught because I don't know about you all, but I can still learn things. I mean, I'm learning things... <laughs> Whether I want to learn them or not, I'm learning things, okay? And, but it's all for my good, okay? And, and we, never stop, we should never stop learning, especially God's Word. Even in life, we should never stop learning, okay? And, but um, if we're professing believers, no matter what our age is, if we're engaging in or we're allowing things to be done in the church, and I would even say in our, in our personal lives, okay, uh, that are in conflict with God's Word, we need to be called out, to give an account of those things. I mean, that's what God's Word teaches. And that's what Paul's telling us about here in, in these verses. And um, that's exactly what Paul's letter did. It demanded the church members to give an account and to address the, the wrong behavior, the sin, these things that were basically, they were being tolerated in the church. I mean, it, this wasn't something that was hidden. This was something, these, these were things that were, that were, I would say, blatant, outright, visible, that people knew about and yet there was not being any the the proper action wasn't being taken against those things so though Paul knew that the situation needed to be addressed I mean he knew that and he knew that the letter was pointed and showed that their actions were wrong and that they had to be corrected and he knew that when they read it they were probably going to be hurt Okay, but Paul was doing what God led him to do because Paul first and foremost was God's man I mean he was going to do what god told him to do he was going to relate to them what god's word said and but you know it bothered paul i mean it says here where i I didn't mark this let me see he says for though i made you sorry with a letter i do not repent though i did repent i mean you know I, i these verses in in chapter seven or yeah in chapter seven a lot of these verses we can really see i think i mentioned this last week the heart of paul I mean, Paul was now. He was grounded. He was. He was a stern man. He was. He was God's. Per, he was God's man. We know that. I mean, only he could do the things that that he did through the power that God gave him. But he also had a heart for people. I mean, he loved the people that he was trying to minister to, that he was trying to get to, to to grow in the Lord. And you can see it here because he said, "I do not repent, though I did repent." I mean, he he. It bothered him. He knew what he was doing was right. But yet it bothered him. I mean, I don't know about you all, but I've had to do things that were right sometimes in my life, but it still bothered me. I mean, you say, well, how come it bothered you? Because, you know, you wondered if is, is somebody, are they really going to understand, and are they gonna, or are they going to be hurt by it and not get it? That's, that's not really in my notes, okay, but that's just how I'm going to say it. And that's what Paul was thinking, because he's a, he was a man, he knew he was right, he knew he was in God's will writing the letter, But he was still troubled by it because he was human, just like us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it should be an encouragement to us. We're all faced with, I mean, with those things. Sometimes maybe we struggle with, I mean, we do struggle with things sometimes. How to say something to somebody. That's right. How to say. That's right. And if we don't, we better just stop and reassess ourselves because... Anything that we're doing, I mean, and, and I don't take this wrong, but God's word is what it is, okay? God is love, and we should have God's love. But, at the, but first and foremost, God's word's holy. So as long as we're doing as in accordance with God's word, then I believe his love will come through. His love will come through if we're doing it according to his will, if we're doing it according to his will. So he knew he was right, and he knew he was in God's will writing the letter, but he was still troubled by it. And he knew that they would probably be hurt, but he knew it was necessary. And he knew, he felt that it would only be for a period of time if the letter was received and the action taken that you know, the action taken that was needed to be taken. So, you know, the the thing I thought about is correction is not done to hurt. It's done to help. It's not I mean, it's not done to hurt, it's done to help. And It's done for the love of people. It's not done for the hatred of people. Okay, I mean, this world that we live in has got everything backwards. Okay, I mean, you know, they look at us as those that, and and probably because in some instances folks have said things and done things, theoretically in the name of the church, which was wrong, but those of us that are seeking to do what God wants, seeking to know his word, understand his word, and be guided by him, I mean... The holiness and the love of him will guide us to do the right things. I mean, I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of that. So, so Paul's really, you know, he's really showing us his heart in these verses. I know I said that before, but, um, and look what he says in verse 9. He says in verse 9, he says his intent was not to hurt but to help for the people to recognize the wrong and the sin in violation of God's word. You know, it's, the thing is, this is not... I think people lose sight so much in this world that we live in. It's just they want to look at people, other people, at what other people say. It doesn't have anything to do with what other people say. The line, the law, is right here, this book that's laying in front of me and that we're holding in our hand. I mean, that's the, that's, it matters what the book says, what the true word of God says. And um, he knew that he, he, uh, lost my place, I'm sorry. He wanted the people to recognize the wrong and the sin that was in violation of God's Word, not because Paul said it was wrong, but because the Word of God said it was wrong. And for them to be sorrowful, and here's the key, because they were acting out of the will of God. I mean, I was, as I was studying this, I came across somewhere, you know, there's, there's, there's a big difference between sorrowfulness, if that's a word, toward God, and just being sorry in ourselves, okay, there's, there's a big difference, a big difference, and I thought about, I was reading somewhere along the way, I, I read where, you know, there's a lot of people in prison today, okay, that aren't saved, okay, but they're sorry, what are they sorry for, they have sorrow in their heart, well, they're sorry because because they got caught doing whatever it was they got caught doing, okay? But that doesn't mean that they're sorrowful towards God, that they've accepted Christ as their Savior. That's, that's a, there's a big difference, okay? There's a big difference. In, in verse 10, this is what, what Paul is telling us. He's telling us, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, we can look at this, that first part of verse ten, and say, "Well, number one, when we really come to the realization of who God is, that's when we'll get saved." I mean, that's when I got saved. When I when I realized that I was in need of a savior and I repented. I mean, that that's step one. But now that I'm saved, I'm to live by His word. And when I go wrong and I steer the wrong way, out of the will of his, out of away from His word. And I do wrong. That's when I got to go back to Him and say, "Lord, I'm sorry." That's godly repentance, knowing that I've done something wrong that's not in accordance with His Word. That's what Paul's talking about here. So, y'all chime in here if you agree or disagree. So, godly sorrow is true repentance. The sorrow of the world. I like how Paul used that word because to me, that's that's something that we can relate to very easily. I mean, that's false remorse. Is what that is. That's just it's not it's not real. It's just a um, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like fake. It's regret. Hmm. It's regret, right? Right. Yep. That's true. That's true. So you know, the Bible gives us probably a lot of different examples of of true repentance versus uh, false repentance. I'll say or whatever. But a couple. There's four people, four men in particular, I think, that we can look at. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but if you think back to the Old Testament, we've got David and Saul. And you think about that. I mean, there is, right there is two ends of the spectrum, okay? And you think about that. David repented. When, when he sinned, he, he knew he, he had sinned against God. Not against, I mean, yes, he had sinned against man, and, and, but he was more concerned about the fact that he had sinned against God. He repented in sincerity. I mean, he was sincerely sorry that he had gone against God's word. I mean, he was sorry. Saul, on the other hand, I mean, he, he repented, I would say, verbally somewhat, but hypocritically. He wasn't He wasn't sorry in relation to God. I mean, what Gail just said, he was more sorry in the fact that it was kind of something that made him maybe look bad, okay? And I think that's that's kind of like the worldly thing is, People today will, you know, if they're not believers, maybe be sorry or, or they'll say they are. But deep down inside, they're not. I mean, so, and then that's in the Old Testament. And then you say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, okay, well, how about the New Testament? We've got Peter and Judas Iscariot in the New Testament. Again, two entirely different ends of the spectrum. Peter wept. He wept bitter tears of repentance. I mean, he sinned against the Lord. I mean, he denied Christ. He sinned against, but then he wept bitter tears of repentance and then he followed Jesus. I mean, he gave his life for him. That's true repentance. I mean, Judas, on the other hand, I mean, he was sorry. He would betrayed innocent blood. He threw the money at the feet of the priest and he went out and he hung himself. But there's a difference there. There's a difference between true repentance to God The that, that understanding and really acknowledging the fact that i've done something wrong against god almighty i mean that's that's there's a big difference so you know david and peter truly repented from the heart saul and judas were sorry but their repentance was not sincere sincere repentance here's the here's the difference when i do something that's that's wrong According to God's word, and I don't, and you know, I know, I'm saying this a lot, okay? And, and and I'll just tell you, y'all know, you see me, off and on. I'm not perfect. I mean, I do, I'm failing. But when I do failing, sincere repentance, this is what it does. It repairs the relationship and the fellowship between us and God. You know, if we if we do something, if I do something, or if I'm if I'm just struggling with something or or, or wallering, I like to use that word. I don't even know how you spell that. I thought about that. I wrote it down somewhere in my notes, and I thought I'm not even sure how you spell it. I don't even know if it's a word or not. But you know, it kind of gets the <laughs> how many R's and how many. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, it grows the relation, It grows our relationship when there's when there's something not right in my life, you know who knows it? Number one, God knows it. But number two, I know it. And you know, and I can, I, can, I can put it to the side, I can put on a smiling face, I can go through the motions, but until I get things right with him, I'm not going to be back in the right relationship with him. So That's right, that's right. He does tell us, and, and I think this gets back to, you know, we talked about, I, I thought back to when we were talking about the heart a few weeks back. I mean, it really gets back to is our, is our acknowledgement and is our, in our appreciation and our, our, do we want our life to really be for the Lord? That's really what it comes down to. I mean, you know, I can come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and, and because it's the right thing to do, But do I really want, do I have a desire to want to live my life in a way that pleases God? That's really what it comes down to. And that's to me, that's the difference between knowing that when I mess up, when I do make a mistake, that to me, that's sincere repentance because I'm trying to want to live for Him and not embarrass Him. You say, well, you can't embarrass God. Well, (laughs) I can be embarrassed when I stand before Him one of these days, I can be embarrassed. And I'm sure I will be for things that I've done. He didn't. No, no. It didn't bring any change. Anymore. No, that's the thing, right there, Tom. That's the main thing. If it makes a change, and so the sorrow of the world is, is sorrow which arises from worldly causes and doesn't lead to repentance to God. The sorrow of the, of the natural man. Here's listen to this. The sorrow of the natural man is the opposite of the sorrow which is according to God. It's, there's there's no in between. And you say, what do you mean? I mean, just I'll just reference this verse real quick. First Corinthians two fourteen says this: It "says But the natural man, and I know we're talking about, we can use this in, in, in terms of salvation, lost and saved people. But just listen to what it says here. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I mean, there's a difference when we're saved and the, and the Holy Spirit moves into us. We know when we've done wrong. Now, whether we're going to whether we have a desire." to just stop and say, well, Lord, that's as far as I'm going. I'll just, I'll just muddle my way through this. Or whether I want to say, Lord, I'm sorry, and I want to grow, and I want to keep moving forward. There's, there's, there's a decision to be made there. So, um, yeah. well, I mean, and it doesn't have to be something against somebody else. I mean, think about it. I mean, number one, first and foremost, if I'm if there's something floating around up here or down here that's not in accordance with him, guess who I'm... I mean, I'm, it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. It has to do with Almighty God. I've, I've got a problem. I'm thinking things that are not or doing things or or thinking about things, maybe about an action, to your point, Jim, that's not right. Maybe I never even said anything to anybody, but it's still wrong. It's still wrong. So... That's right. That's not true repentance. If we go back and keep doing the same thing that we ask Him to forgive us for, then we're, we, it's not, that's, to me, that's not true repentance. I mean, we may struggle with something for a while, but eventually we should be able to move beyond it. And we can with His help. Not on our own, with His help. So that for the believer, godly sorrow, this kind of goes along with what, with what Sue said, for the believer, godly sorrow and repentance is admitting, here's the key, that we sinned against God that we've sinned against our Heavenly Father. The recognition of violating God's Word, that's true repentance. And making a turn from that sin and determining that we're not going to do it again. I mean, there's got to be determination and there's got to be drive, okay, to to move on. But for the non-believer, I mean, they haven't been given... They don't give, number one, they haven't given recognition to God to begin with because otherwise they'd be saved, okay? They haven't accepted within themselves who God really is and that he really exists, and without this understanding, they have no means to experience or recognize true godly sorrow. I mean, it's sad when you think about that. But they're separated from God because they've never accepted who God really is. So, verse 11, Paul goes on and he says, he, Paul says, um, shows us what godly sorrow produces. He says, behold this selfsame thing. That's the first thing he starts off with, I think. I, I flipped over here and lost my spot. Give me a I believe that's what he says. Yeah, for behold this same thing. He tells them, he says, look at your own situation. And he goes on and he lists all these things. He tells them in documents for us the power of true repentance. The power that God will provide for us to move forward to rectify the problem. I mean, God, God has what we need. All we've got to do is we've got to rely on him. We've got to look to Him to help us. True repentance brings power from God to act and power from God to move forward. That's what real godly sorrow means. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it does for us. And, I mean, we're not going to do it on our own. If i got a problem that I, and I have an issue or, or a bad habit, let's just say, you know, maybe my mouth has a tendency to fly sometimes when it's, I mean, things like, I mean, y'all, we're all human, okay? This is not, this is not a, I think sometimes I stand up here and and I wonder sometimes, you know, do they think you're so negative? I'm not trying to be negative, I'm trying to be positive, I'm trying to point us to the Lord and point us to His Word because that's where the positivity is and that's where the power is, is in Him. So, um, real godly sorrow and real repentance to God, praise God that He speaks to us through His Spirit that's in us i mean because that's how we're going to that's how we're going to get through these things um you know as i was as i was sitting and studying this god just uh i shouldn't say he amazes me but he does amaze me and and i'm thankful for it i mean it's just confirmation of how that he cares about us because as i was studying this um i'll share this with you i uh over, the, over, over Christmas and the holidays and stuff, I had been listening, it had been it's been several weeks since I've listened, but uh, Scott Polly that was here and preached that one Sunday night for us. And I was listening to some. I, back during the summer, I listened a lot to him, to his podcasts, and I really, really enjoyed them. I mean, really got some, some good, it really was a help. And, uh, and i kind of gotten away from it, and as I was studying, I kind of I was just sitting there, and I thought, you know, I haven't listened to him for a while. And, uh, I thought, maybe I'll just, I'll just go online, just kind of look and see what's, what's out there. And um, I was drawn back just to this section. He was talking about the holidays. And this is going back to December. I think he started this on December the 1st. And it um, tells you how long it's been since I've listened to him. So, um, But when I went there and I listened to it, the, he was talking about making the holidays Holy. And, and I thought, you know, and I, and I turned, and I'd like, to sh- I'd like to read these verses back in, they're in, they're in Nehemiah chapter 8. And uh, I thought, Lord, how this goes directly with what I'm sitting here studying about. Talking about how that we're to be sorrowful or, or kind of what, what does it really mean to be sorrowful and, and why? Why should we be? You know, when we, when we sin or, or when we have a problem and we do something that's out of God's will... Why why should we be sorry? And I just thought these verses in Nehemiah just, just I think just kind of flow right into what I'm trying to talk about this morning. So in Nehemiah chapter eight, I'm going to read verses one through ten and and I want you to listen to the to what the people, the actions of the people, as as I read through this. And in verse one it says, And all the people gathered themselves together "...as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand." And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattithiah and Shema and Ananiah and Uriah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand and on his left hand, Padea and Mishael and Malchiah and Hashem and Hashbidonah, Zechariah and Meshelam. And Ezra opened the book... In the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Joshua and Bonnie, and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Havajam, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabod, Hanan, Peleah, and the Levites caused the people, listen to this, caused the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the, the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God, mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept, when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You say, why did you read that? Look at verse 1. In verse 1, what did it say? It It said, And all the people gathered themselves together that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe, to bring the book of the law. You know there was a desire by the people to hear the word of God. You know when we talk about when we think about wanting to to live for the Lord, I mean we got I got to have a desire to to want to hear his word. I mean I got I, I mean that's where it starts. Without his word, I might as well just forget it. I mean there's I can't live I can't live for him without his word. Look at verse 3. In verse 3, they go on and it says um, and he read therein before the street from the morning until the day and said those that could under, to those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive. There was a desire to listen and to receive personally from the word of God. And look at verse 5. Verse 5, I like this, and it said, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And look, and look what happened. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They had a reverence for the word of God. I had a reverence for the Word of God, just like I should, like we should. In verse 8, so says, So they read the book, they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly. Listen to what they in, read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. You know, there were men there, were men there that as they were reading the, the, the words, they were reading the law, people were helping people understand it. They were doing some interpretation. They were explaining to them. You know, the Spirit of God moved upon the people to give them understanding of the Word of God. I mean, He, he does the same thing for us today. I mean, I, I don't know about you all, but I kind of... I, I was pretty happy as I read and studied this. I mean, I'm glad that when I'm struggling or when I'm wallowing with something that I can go to Him and He knows exactly where I'm coming from, what I'm trying, that I'm trying to do the right thing, and He cares. I mean, that's the thing. He cares. Nobody, you know, and I know we care for each other here. I'm thankful for our church. But, you know, sometimes he's the only one that's right there right when we need him. I mean, he's always there. I mean, I know that. But sometimes it's it's all going to come from his word. That's where it's coming from. In verse 9, the response to the word of God when it was read, it was godly sorrow. I mean, this is what we're talking about, godly sorrow. When we're talking about, I mean, they heard the word. The word was read to them, and they knew their life, and they knew that they had sin in their life. And there was godly sorrow. Why? Because they were weeping. They, they cried. They knew they had sinned against Almighty God. And then in verse 10, you now he tells them, now this was, this was on a holy day, okay? There was a fe- this was the time of the feast. that's why he told them, he said, now's not the time, to, now is not the time to, to, to mourn and weep, but now's the time to, to move forward and celebrate. You know what? Once we repent, God says, you know, if you've, made, if you've made a mistake, his word teaches us, okay, be sorry, repent. Okay, now get up and keep going, okay? He doesn't want us to sit around and waller and deal with it. He doesn't want us to keep coming back to the same old hole either. He wants us to get up and go. And that's exactly what, to me, that's, I think we can look at verse 10 and, and take that and say, repent of your sin, or of mine, be sorrowful for it. don't grieve yourself about it and then here's my my spelling waller in it okay but repent and move forward and by the grace and power of god do the work that god's called us to do that's what he wants us to do that's what he wants us to do so i don't know if anybody has a comment on that i think i'm going to quit right there so but